0: Father Yahweh, we come humbly before you this evening. Uh, First off, we want to thank you for this beautiful Sabbath that you provided for us every week to give our our bodies rest and our minds rest. Um, Take us away from the the world that's around us, Father. Help us to be separate from that world and help us to be in this world, Father, but not of this world. Also, Father, we want to pray for the people around us that... um, that are seeking you and help us just to lift them up like a, like we just picked a freshly picked rose and we don't want to lose one rose petal father. We want to keep that rose intact and help us plant those seeds and try not to be so abrasive with people and, and force this upon them. Let it, let them just see it in our walk every day. And that's what I pray to you father. Just, let them let them just see it in us. Let them see something different about us, a peculiar people, a set apart people that, you know, a holy nation. And Father, we pray all these things through your Son Yeshua, our High Priest and King. Amen. 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 Oh, quick. Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're gonna finish the end of Exodus twenty-seven. And then I'll go ahead and start straight into Exodus 28. It says, You are to command the Israelites to bring bring you pure oil from crushed olives for the light in order to keep the lamp burning continually. In the tent of meeting outside the veil that is in front of the testimony, Aaron and his sons are to tend the lamp from evening until morning before the Lord. This is to be a permanent statute for the Israelites throughout their generations. Have your brother Aaron with his sons come to you from the Israelites to serve me as priests. Aaron, his sons Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, make holy garments for your brother Aaron for glory and beauty. You are to instruct all the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom to make Aaron's garments for consecrating him to serve me as priests. These are the garments that they must make, a breast piece, an ephod, a robe, a specially woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make holy garments for your brother Aaron and his sons, so that they may serve me as priests. They should use gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. They are to make the ephod of finely spun linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. It must have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges so that it can be joined together. The artistically woven waistband that is on the ephod must be of one piece, according to the same workmanship of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of Israel's sons. Six of their names on the first stone and the remaining six names on the second stone in the order of their birth. Engrave the two stones with the names of Israel's sons as a gem cutter engraves a seal. Mount them surrounded with gold filigree settings. Fasten both stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the Israelites. Aaron will carry their names on his shoulders before the Lord as a reminder. Fashion gold, gold filigree settings and two chains of pure gold. You will make them of braided cord work and attach the cord chains to the settings. You are to make an embroidered breast piece for making decisions. Make it with the same workmanship as the ephod. Make it of <clears throat> gold of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and of finely spun linen. It must be a square and folded double, nine inches long and nine inches wide. Place a setting of gemstones on it. Four rows of stones. The first row should be a row of carnelian, topaz, and emerald. The second row, a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a jacent, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper they should be adorned with gold filigree in their settings the 12 stones are to correspond to the names of Israel's sons each stone must be engraved like a seal with one of the names of the 12 tribes you are to make braided chains of pure gold cordwork for the breastpiece fashion two gold rings for the breastpiece and attach them to its corners then attach the two gold cords to the two gold rings at its corners or at the corners of the breastpiece Attach the other ends of the two cords to the two filigree settings, and in this way attach them to the ephod's shoulder pieces in the front. Make two other gold rings and put them at the two other corners of the breast piece on the edge that is next to the inner border of the ephod. Make two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the ephod's uh, two shoulder pieces on its front, close to its seam, and above the ephod's woven waistband. The craftsmen are to tie the breastpiece from its rings to the rings of the ephod with a cord of blue yarn, so that the breastpiece is above the ephod's waistband and does not come loose from the ephod. Whenever he enters the sanctuary, Aaron is to carry the names of Israel's sons over his heart on the breastpiece for decisions, as a continual reminder before the Lord. Place the Urim and the Thummim, those are important, in the breastpiece for decisions so that they will also be over Aaron's heart whenever he comes before the Lord. Aaron will continually carry the means of decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the, before the Lord. You are to make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue yarn. There should be an opening at the top in the center of it around the opening there should be a woven collar with an opening like that of body armor so that it does not tear make pomegranates of blue purple and scarlet yarn on its lower hem and all around it put gold bells between them all the way in or all the way around so that gold bells and pomegranates alternate around the lower hem of the robe The robe must be worn by Aaron whenever he ministers, and its sound will be heard when he enters the sanctuary before the Lord and when he exits so that he does not die. You are to make a pure gold medallion and engrave it like the engraving of a seal. Holy to the Lord. Fasten it to a cord of blue yarn so it can be placed on the turban. The medallion is to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead so that Aaron may bear the guilt connected with the holy offerings that the Israelites consecrate as all their holy gifts. It is always to be on his forehead so that they may find acceptance with the Lord. You are to weave the tunic with fine linen, make a turban of fine linen, and make an embroidered sash. Make tunics, sashes, and headbands for Aaron's sons to give them glory and beauty put these on your brother Aaron and his sons, then anoint, ordain, and consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. Make them linen undergarments to cover their naked bodies. They must extend from the waist to the thighs. These must be worn by Aaron and his sons whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the sanctuary area so that they do not incur guilt and die. This is to be a permanent statute for Aaron and for his future descendants. Again, he's very meticulous. Anybody have any comments, questions?
2: Yeah, what What version are you reading from?
1: HCSV again. Gotcha. I can change translations if you want me to.
2: No, I'm good. <laughs> as long as everybody else is, it's it's tracking pretty good with my NRSV. All
1: right, I'll continue to chapter 29. <clears throat> this is what you are to do for them to quite separate them. Go ahead.
0: Uh, I didn't know I was muted. I'm sorry. Um, you're human. You said that was important.
1: Yeah, that has to be warned by the high priest for decision making.
0: Right. What is it? Where'd it go?
1: There's, yeah, so there's not a whole lot that's known about it. But, yeah, as far as, like, the whole high priest thing, um I don't see anybody talking about it in today's world. And they're talking about building a temple. They're going to have high priests. I don't right. know how that's going to work without the, without the Urim and the Tuma. Those are required.
3: You could probably look at some of the ancient tribes and find out some of the ones that are still keeping the Torah. Like, they're still got their own priesthood set up and everything. Like Ethiopia. Yeah. You could probably look at some of the guys. Actually, my that Earl guy, I going to know something about that. And he talks to some of those people over there. I might be curious to hear some more about that. I wonder where they went to,
0: though. I don't know. All right, that's all I had. All
1: right, chapter four. <clears throat> This is what you are to do for them to consecrate them to serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two unblemished rams with unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers coated with oil. Make them out of fine wheat flour, put them in a basket, and bring them in the basket along with the bull and two rams. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then take the garments and clothe Aaron uh, with the tunic. The robe for the ephod. The ephod itself and the breastpiece, fasten the ephod on him with its woven waistband. Put the turban on his head and place the holy diadem on the turban. Take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. You must also bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. Tie the sashes on Aaron and his sons and fasten headbands on them. The priesthood is to be theirs by a permanent statute. This is the way you will ordain Aaron and his sons. You are to bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting, and Aaron and his sons must lay their hands on the bull's head. Slaughter the bull before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Take some of the bull's blood and apply it to the horns of the altar with your finger. Then pour out all the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with the fat on them, and burn them on the altar but burn up the bull's flesh, its hide, and its dung outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Take one ram, and Aaron and his sons are to lay their hands on the ram's head. You are to slaughter the ram, take its blood, and sprinkle it on all sides of the altar. Cut the ram into pieces, wash its entrails and shanks, and place them with its head and its pieces on the altar. Then burn the whole ram on the altar, It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a fire offering to the Lord. You are to take the second ram, and Aaron and his sons must lay their hands on the ram's head. Slaughter the ram, take some of its blood, and put it on Aaron's right earlobe and his sons' right earlobes. On the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet, sprinkle the remaining blood on all sides of the altar. Take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle them on Aaron and his garments, as well as on his sons and their garments. In this way, he and his garments will become holy, as well as his sons and their garments. Take the fat from the ram, the fat tail, the fat covering the entrails, the fatty lobe of the liver, the two kidneys and the fat on them, and the right thigh, since this is a ram for ordination. Take one loaf of bread, one cake of bread made with oil and one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord and put all them in, his, in the hands of Aaron and his sons and wave them as a presentation offering before the Lord. Take them from their hands and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering as a pleasing aroma before the Lord. It is a fire offering to the Lord. Take the breast from the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it as a presentation offering before the Lord. It is to be your portion. Consecrate for Aaron and his sons the breast of the presentation offering that is waved and the thigh of the contrib- contribution that is lifted up from the ram of ordination. This will belong to Aaron and his sons as a regular portion from the Israelites, for it is a contribution. It will be the Israelites' contribution from their fellowship sacrifices, their contribution to the Lord. The holy garments that belong to Aaron are to belong to his sons after him, so that they can be anointed and ordained in them. Any priest who is one of his sons and who succeeds him and enters the tent of meeting to minister in the sanctuary must wear them for seven days. You are to take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. Aaron and his sons are to eat the meat of the ram and the bread that is in the basket at the entrance to the tent of, the meet- of meeting. They must eat those things by which atonement was made at the time of their ordination and consecration. An unauthorized person must not eat them, for these things are holy. If any of the meat of ordination or any of the bread is left until morning, burn up what is left over. It must not be eaten because it is holy. This is what you are to do for Aaron and his sons based on all I have commanded you. Take seven days to ordain them. Sacrifice a bull as a sin offering each day for atonement. Purify the altar when you make atonement for it and anoint it in order to consecrate it. For seven days you must make atonement for the altar and consecrate it. The altar will become especially holy. Whatever touches the altar will become holy. This is what you are to offer regularly on the altar every day. Two-year-old lambs in the morning offer one lamb, and at twilight offer the other lamb. With the first lamb, offer two quarts of fine flour mixed with one quart of oil from crushed olives, and a drink offering of one quart of wine. You are to offer the second lamb at twilight, offer a grain offering and a drink offering with it, like the one in the morning, as a pleasing aroma, a fire offering to the Lord. This will be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations, at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. I will also meet with the Israelites there, so that the place will be consecrated by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God, and they will know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I might dwell with them. I am the Lord their God.
0: What you got, Dustin?
1: Again, very meticulous.
0: (laughs) Um I noticed back in twenty-one it says thou shalt take the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him. And they shall be hallowed in his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. So in um, Ezekiel 44, in the millennial kingdom, it says, when they go forth into the outer court, even into the outer court of the people, they shall put off the garments wherein they ministered and lay them in holy chambers and they shall put on other garments and they shall not sanctify the people with their garments. So everything they're saying here, you know, in the tent of meeting in the wilderness is the same thing that's going to happen. In the kingdom. They're doing the exact same thing. What do you think about that?
2: No, I agree.
0: It says that uh it says in there while well, I meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle should be sanctified by my glory. Well did the glory of the Lord leave the temple? And was it King's Almonds Day? And then it says it returns
2: into the kingdom.
1: What'd you say? My bad.
0: Oh, just about the, it's talking about the glory. It said that they should be sanctified. It says the, and there I will meet the children of Israel and the tabernacle should be sanctified by my glory. So.
1: And it was pillar of pillar fire by day and cloud of smoke night. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then yeah, again on Solomon's day, after he had built the temple. He prayed and then the you know asked the he's basically setting it apart setting apart the temple too, the most high, and then he responded and said, I do set this temple apart in my name. And he blessed it. Right. I think it's the same kind of thing that happened now. Which I want to get into the whole temple thing later. I don't know if you'd seen what I was messaging earlier. Mm-hmm. Somebody was... It was that guy that... <laughs> it's the guy that debated Sean... The other Sean.
0: <laughs> the other Sean? Sean Murphy?
1: Yeah, yeah he said that the, uh, he's, he was just basically saying that Ezekiel's temple is not literal. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into that in a minute. I just wanted
0: to. I we can we sidetrack for just a second. All right, we'll sidetrack
1: for a second. Go ahead.
0: This won't take but a second. I can prove him wrong real quick. It says right here. Revelation 22. In the midst of the street and on the other side of the river was there a tree of life, which bear 12 manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. All right. Let's go to Ezekiel 47. I think it's 47.
3: My dad's favorite prophet.
0: Oh, I love Ezekiel. I can't wait to meet him one day. <laughs> and uh, and by that river bank and the bank thereof on this side and on that side shall grow trees for meat, whose leaves shall not fade, neither if their fruit thereof consumed be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to its wants, because the waters that issued out from the sanctuary... And the fruit thereof shall be meat, and the leaf therefore healings of or therefore the leaf, therefore, for medicine or healing of the nation. Same thing. But if you go right back up here to verse 10, it says, And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from and gedi and even unto en glayum, and there shall be a place to spread forth their nets. Their fish will be are a- real places huh
1: those are real places keep going it's on the
0: Dead Sea
2: mm-hmm.
0: fish in the Dead Sea right now and it says and they shall spread forth their nets their fish shall be according to the kinds of their kinds as the fish of the great sea exceedingly exceeding many so they're gonna be like the same as the Mediterranean Sea over there that right there is a real place yeah it's for real. It's a f- for real place. Now he's going to well, try to, tell and Getty and Enigma isn't real because it's right there on the Dead Sea.
1: No, well he has he has a completely different take than you know it's just some spiritual thing. He he suggests or he proposes that it was a conditional thing that it would have happened if they would have repented. And I don't oh. I don't see how he gets this connection especially especially because well so um, if I'm not mistaken Ezekiel was prophesying before uh, the rebuilding of the second temple am I correct about that
0: he's prophesying of the kingdom yeah he's prophesying of the kingdom of heaven the same thing that Jeremiah, Isaiah, yeah, all they're all prophesying about the kingdom of heaven. They just label it Ezekiel's temple, David's yeah. temple, the same place, the holy mountain's the same place. But the vision that Moses saw, same place. Exactly. So if we go to Revelation twenty-one, when it's t- John talking about the kingdom, I think I brought this up last week, where it said. Twenty one twelve, and it had a great high wall and twelve gates and twelve gates, twelve angels, and the names written thereon were the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Is that spiritual?
1: No. Okay.
0: It goes on to say on the on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates. It does not tell you the names of the children of Israel on those gates, but it does tell you in Ezekiel forty eight, verse thirty. It says, and these are the goings out of the city on the north side, 4,500 measures. And the gates of the city shall be the names of the tribes of Israel <laughs> three gates northward, one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi. And on the east, 4,500, three gates one gate of Joseph, one gate of Benjamin, one gate of Dan. And on the south side, 4,500 measures, one gate of, or th- three gates, one gate of Simeon, one gate of Issachar, one gate of Zebulun. And on the west side, 4,500 with three gates. One gate of Gad, one gate of Asher, one gate of Natali. It was around about 18,000 me- measures. And the name of that city from that day shall be the Lord is there. So he has a problem because now he has to write everything that John is writing about isn't true either. In Revelation. This is Ezekiel 48. This is the kingdom. This is his temple.
1: That's what I tried to tell him, but I didn't want to get into a argument. I did tell him that I would like to sit down and have a a discussion with him, not a debate, but a discussion.
0: You you were talking to Sean Murphy. Yeah. Oh, I I like to talk. I mean, he has to. How can you say this is different than what John is talking about? He he. It gives you a a, a specific location too. With An and Glaim and and Getty. There's I no can
1: you, I can send you his uh he wrote a paper on it. And he sent me a link to it. I'll cool. send you this. Check yeah, it out.
0: Respond to him because this they don't they're all talking about the same place. <laughs> they're all talking about the same place.
3: Literally, everything in Scripture is talking about the end. Basically,
2: yeah.
3: I mean, yeah. Like, everything is talking about the future to come. Great it, everything's about getting back to the Father. Yeah. What this is about? That's what life's and it, about?
0: And it says His house is going to come down here. His house, where He lives, is going to come down here. Because mm-hmm. when you ask where somebody, when you ask somebody where God lives, they point straight up. It's yeah. right above, right above us. That's why we. Live, that's why he sits upon the circle of the earth. You know, he's sitting right up there. He can see everything we do. He's that close, but so far away. <laughs> I, I think the problem is they want to spiritualize everything, that they don't want to take literally. Is the kingdom not a literal place? To me, I mean, it's it's that I learned this from Sean. It's like this uh, important character in the Bible. Everybody misses it.
1: It is a very important character. That's what's done. Yeah,
4: sorry. Micah, weren't we just reading the other day in Revelations about it being daylight all day in the kingdom?
3: Yeah, so, the, the kingdom's can give off its own light.
0: Yeah, there's so a glory
3: of there.
0: It's 1500 miles squared. Yeah, that's it's,
3: gonna be the light to the nations. It's 1500. Right, says so
4: the gate will never close, it'll be open all the time because it will never be night.
3: Yeah, it's yeah,
4: so and it's real, that there's no and spiritualizing it's, that.
3: It's, then it's gonna be like, yep, I never get a nap.
4: Well, no. I mean, how do you how do you spiritualize <laughs> that? That that's pretty literal to me.
3: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's and that's the thing. And what people have to remember is in scripture. With we, we have a literal, and we always have a, a spiritual. You have both of them, right? You have a physical, and you have a spiritual to everything. And, and people forget that. They just they'll say, okay. Well, unless it like is openly explained, like this is like a vision of something that's not physical. Like there's certain Places in Scripture where it's not physical, it'll will, it will explain it that it's not. But majority of time, it's physical and spiritual.
1: I always take what it says literal unless the context of the passage demands that I take it in a in a hypothetical or metaphorical sense.
3: Yep.
0: But at some, some point you have to understand that what John is seeing in his vision it says that the kingdom come coming down from God out of heaven that is literal cuz it goes back in verse 9 and says he's asking him he's like hey let me uh come here I'll show you the Let am going to show you the, the bride of the lamb Said so he came to me, it says, and there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And he talked with me saying, come hither, I will show thee, show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, that same mountain that's in Isaiah 2, 3 it says, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. And he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So that's a real place. What do y'all think?
1: No, I believe it's a real place. Yeah. (laughs)
0: it's where the angels live. The
1: whole thing that had started all of it or whatever. uh, And I commented on his post like at least a month ago you know for a few weeks um said something about the the whole sacrifices thing and I said so you think that the sacrifices are done permanently like they'll never be done again he said yes that was literally his responses yes and I said, well, what's your take on Ezekiel 40 to 48 and that's when he, he went through his whole saying or whatever I'll send you screenshots or I'll, I'll tag you and post I, I do think I do think I'm gonna sit down. And try to have a a discussion with him, because I think that he's wrong. I don't think that it was a conditional thing. I think that it was quite literally Ezekiel seeing the vision of the temple that is going to be coming down in the millennial reign. I don't think it should be spiritualized. I think it should be a literal um, thing. And like you just addressed, it it parallels perfectly with Revelation, just as many other passages in the Bible parallel with revelation you have daniel that's obviously being spoken about in in revelation you have ezekiel you know
0: isaiah jeremiah they're all talking about the same
1: all of them talking about the same exact freaking thing man moses saw these things and everything that we're reading right now is literally a a copy or a shadow if you will (laughs) of the temple these are the shadows of the things to come. Well, what is to come? He says that there is something to come. If the temple is not going to come, then why is it called a shadow of the things to come? Because these things will come. Ezekiel specifically talking about what is going to be happening in the kingdom. I take it as a literal place that is going to come down from the heavens, which is going to... <laughs> It's really gonna baffle a lot of people to think <laughs> that the earth is round. <laughs>
2: Look it there's
0: this guy that just came out I think Sean put a video out and he was showing the dimensions of the he was showing the kingdom and some of the dimensions like this guy was like an engineer or something architect whatever and so he was put together this video and basically they had these one buildings outside in the outer courts. Because out of course, give to the Gentiles to trample, right?
1: Yeah,
0: right. And what they had figured out is some of these buildings were like they're like eighty-story cafeterias, man. They're gonna feed a lot of people.
1: And that kind of reminds me of uh, Samuel. Because like, yeah. all the people, they wouldn't eat. They would wait until Samuel would come down and bless the meal. So it's like they're all coming up there and sitting in the cafeteria and waiting for they're the, the going, feast to come out. They're you know?
0: Provisions. They're going, to get, they're going to have a covenant meal with the Father in his house. At his house.
1: Pretty awesome.
0: In his ways,
1: you know. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord and have him teach yeah. us his wife.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the law will go forth out of Mount Zion. Well, we're reading a lot. We're reading part of the law right now.
1: Yeah.
0: We're reading what the priests are going to be wearing. They're not going to look like Roman soldiers. So. All right, man. Sorry.
1: Sorry. I'll read these last two, ten verses, and then we'll get to the half Torah portion. Or yeah, uh, but... actually... I'll read Leviticus 8 because it parallels with this. I know that that's part of a future core portion, but it parallels. Anyways, (laughs) you are to make an altar for the burning of incense. Make it of acacia wood. It must be square, 18 inches long and 18 inches wide. It must be 36 inches high. Its horns must be of one piece. Overlay Overlay its tops all around its sides and its horns with pure gold. Make a gold molding all around it. Make two gold rings for it under the molding on the two sides or on two of its sides. Put these on opposite sides of it to be holders for the poles to carry with, carry it with. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You are to place the altar in front of the veil by the Ark of the Testimony in front of the mercy seat that is is over the testimony. There or where I will meet you with you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on it. He must burn it every morning when he tends the lamps. When Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he must burn incense. There is to be an incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You must not offer unauthorized incense on it or a burnt or grain offering. You are not to pour a drink offering on it. Once a year Aaron is to perform the purification rite on the horns of the altar. Throughout your generations he is to perform the purification rite for it once a year, with the blood of the sin offering for atonement. The altar is especially holy to the Lord. I don't know why, but that made me think of that made me think of the uh the Lord's Supper. Which that's a whole other topic. I don't take the Catholic Eucharist to be the Lord's Supper. I think that's a poor rendition of it. I believe it's supposed to be done once a year, but... Anyhow, <laughs> Leviticus 8, 33 to 35, and it says this... <clears throat> Uh, you must not go outside the entrance to the tent of meeting for seven days until the time of the, the time your days of ordination are completed because it will take seven days to ordain you. The Lord commanded what has been done today in order to make atonement for you. You must remain at the entrance to the tent of meeting day and night for seven days and keep the Lord's charge so that you will not die for this is what I was commanded. And that's Aaron taking his eight days ordained. You said what? Seven days. Was it seven days. Or eight days. Seven days. Seven days. Yeah, because it says on the eighth day Moses. Summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. Interesting. takes seven days to ordain. Yeah, that goes with what we had just read. That's why I wanted to read to it, too. But
3: I just think it's interesting. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons. It makes me think, like, future things that happen, too. How it's going to operate. Some of the theories out there.
1: All I know is if anybody on this earth Is ordained or appointed As a high priest and I don't see a U- Urim and Thummim. I ain't listening to him.
3: <laughs> nope My high priest sits at the right hand
1: uh, Yeah Uh, then we have the soul rejected as king. Actually, I'll tell you what, before we read that, this is not part of the portion, but I want to read this before we read this. Psalms 47, it says, Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is awesome, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. So God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God is king over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. I wanted to read that. Because if you go back in the beginning of Samuel there, Saul should have never been made king. God God was supposed to be the king, but they didn't listen. So. Alright, first Samuel 15, 2 through 34. Says, this is what the Lord of hosts says. I witnessed what the Amalekites did to the Israelites when they opposed them along the way as they were coming out of Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites and completely destroy everything they have. Do not spare them. Kill men and women, children and infants, oxen and sheep, camels and donkeys. Then Saul summoned the troops and counted them at Telaim. I guess it's Telaim. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and set up an ambush in the Wadi. He warned the Kenites, since you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came out of Egypt, go on and leave. Get away from the Amalekites or I'll sweep you away with them. So the Kenites withdrew from the Amalekites. Then Saul struck down the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is next to Egypt. He captured Agag, king of Amalek, alive, but he completely destroyed all the rest of the people with the sword. Saul and the troops spared Agag and the best of the sheep, cattle, and choice animals, as well as the young rams and the best of everything else. They were not willing to destroy them, but they did destroy all the worthless and unwanted things. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. So Samuel became angry and cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up to confront Saul, but it was reported to Samuel. Saul went to Carmel, where he set up a monument for himself. (laughs) Then he turned around and went down to Gilgal. When Samuel came to him, Saul said, May the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Samuel replied, Then what is this sound of sheep and cattle I hear? Saul answered, The troops brought them from the Amalekites and spared the best sheep and cattle in order to offer a sacrifice to the Lord, your God. But the rest we destroyed. Stop, exclaimed Samuel. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, he replied. Samuel continued, Although you once considered yourself unimportant, have you not become the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and then sent you on a mission and said, Go and completely destroy the sinful Amalekites. Fight against them until you have annihilated them. So why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush on the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul answered. I went on the mission the Lord gave me. I brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. The troops took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was set set apart for destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Then Samuel said, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice, to pay attention is better than the fat of rams, for rebellion is like the sin of divination, defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul answered Samuel, I have sinned, I have transgressed the Lord's command and your words, because I was afraid of the people, I obeyed them. Now therefore, please forgive my sin and return with me, so I can worship the Lord. Samuel replied to Saul, I will not return with you, because you rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from becoming, or being king over Israel. When Samuel turned to go, Saul grabbed the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingship of Israel away from you today, and it has given it, and has given it to your neighbor, who is better than you. Furthermore, the Eternal One of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not man who changes his mind. Saul said, I have sinned. Please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so I can bow and worship to the Lord your God. Then Samuel went back, following Saul, and Saul bowed down to the Lord. Samuel said, Bring me Agag, king of Amalek. Agag came to him, trembling, for he thought, Certainly the bitterness of death has come. Samuel declared, As your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among women. Then he hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his home in Gibeah of Saul.
3: So I answered Samuel, I have sinned and I have transgressed the Lord's command and your words because I was afraid of the people. Uh-huh. I obeyed them. Mm. Mm.
4: Just he goes to show you,
3: it doesn't matter. You, you don't have to care what people think. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they think about you. Or what what you gotta do, you gotta do.
1: I think he was trying to blame the people. If you notice throughout that entire passage, and actually most of the cases with Saul, he never says that, uh, that that the Most High is his God. He always says, your God. Mm. That's interesting. That's why I was putting emphasis when he says, worship the Lord, your God. Mm. <laughs> And we see a complete, uh, there's like a complete 180 in difference between uh, Saul and David. <clears throat> First of all, when David sinned, he said, I have sinned. He didn't blame it on anybody else. He didn't say it was because of this person. He doesn't say, you know, well, it was because she was beautiful or nothing like that. He just says, I have sinned. Mm-hmm. He took complete ownership and realized his errors and repented. Also, um, I always found it interesting that David had a few chances to kill Saul, and he never did because he was still anointed by God. He yeah. Even tore his garments in the in the cave, you know, reached through there with his sword and cut off a piece of his garment and brought it to him and showed it to him and said, "I could have killed you, but I didn't." And he said, "Surely you are more righteous than I, David." He was meek. Yeah.
3: Like he even Yeshua. killed the
1: guy that ended up killing Saul.
3: <laughs> I mean, literally, Yeshua could have had a legion of angels come down on the people, but he chose not to.
1: Yeah. This is why David is always the one that's compared uh, whenever, either whether it's Judah or um Israel, the northern tribes. Mm-hmm. Whenever they're righteous, he always says they followed after their father David and lived righteously. So. I like Sam, by the way.
3: Oh yeah, since first and second Samuel are some of my favorite books.
2: I revisited uh, those a lot of those books during deer season uh, when I figured out I could download the the Bible app where I didn't need service. Then I could I could have it read to me in the deer stand.
4: That's peaceful. Yeah.
1: yeah. You're gonna have to send me that information because every freaking app that I use, I have to have service.
4: U version.
2: U version. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You can download it. Yeah. See, that's what that's what Hannah tried to say, but I'm telling you, I've tried it unless unless I'm doing something wrong. Did you download I the have,
4: specific Bible that you want to right?
1: Yes. Yeah. I have all yeah. of them downloaded.
4: Then you should be able to let it read. Yeah, you here.
2: should be able to do it without you should be able to do it on airplane mode.
4: I told you.
1: I have to go try again. I just I've got YouTube premium, so I just right. downloaded all the audio <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that works too. Oh,
1: this is way easier.
2: Yeah, I can literally, I mean, with with the my recent love for scripture and all that obsession, I guess you really call it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I can stay all day.
1: All right, we're going to go to Zechariah 6, and it is verse 11 through 15, basically 11 through the end, and it says, take silver and gold, make crowns, and place them on the head of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. You are to tell him, this is what the Lord of hosts says. Here is a man whose name is Branch. He will branch out from his place and build the Lord's temple. Yes, he will build the Lord's temple. He will be clothed in splendor, and he will sit on his throne and rule. There will also be a priest on his throne, and there will be peaceful council between the two of them. The crown will reside in the Lord's temple as a memorial to Heldai, Hobijah, Judea, 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 and Hen, son of Zephaniah. People who are far off will come and build the Lord's temple, and you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. This will happen when you fully obey the Lord your God. <clears throat>
0: so they were talking about the branch being Yeshua
3: the vine huh the vine the branch the stone I'll say I'm going back up
0: That's even prophesied too. So behold, a man whose name is branch or the branch or the vine. And it says that uh, he will be priest on his throne and the council of peace will be between the two offices. Mm. Oh, Zechariah three
2: eight.
1: Yeah. Listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your colleagues sitting before you. Indeed, these men are a sign that I am about to bring my servant the branch. What was that in? Zechariah 3, eight. 3.8. 3.8. Mm-hmm. You walk in my ways and keep my instructions. You will both rule my house and take care of my courts. I will also grant you access among these who are standing here. It says, Notice the stone I have set before Joshua. On that one stone are seven eyes. I will engrave an inscription on it. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts and I will take away the guilt of this land in a single day. On that day, each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and fig tree. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts.
2: Well, this is
0: definitely, like Zachariah's definitely future because it says,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it says he will branch out from where he is and He will build the temple of the Lord Hold on a second. It says, "Yes, it is He who will build the temple of the Lord, and He will bear the honor to sit and rule on His throne. Thus, He will be a priest in His throne and the council of peaceful between two offices." wonder if that's why Brad and them doesn't believe that the Messiah come yet because they don't believe in the suffering servant but they also don't believe well he hasn't fulfilled this prophecy yet right there where yeah. he rules the nations you know
1: It's interesting that the word build there says so a the permanent root to build literally and figuratively, begin to build, obtain, children, make, repair, set up.
0: Also, we are the temple. Man, where is everybody going to go? Up to the mountain of the house of the Lord. You know because god's right. supposed to, god's supposed to dwell in us fully like he has that's why yeshua and the father he says me and the father are one you know and that's the goal is to we're supposed to be one with the father
3: and the son Did you did you read um Zechariah nine, Dad?
0: Zechariah nine. Mm-hmm.
3: You're talking about the prophecy about him coming lowly, right? Yeah. Nine nine. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion! Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim. A horse from Jerusalem, the bow of war will be removed, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of your covenant, I will release your prisoners from the waters, uh, waterless cistern. Return to a stronghold, your prisoners. You have hope. Today I declare. I will restore restore double to you, for I will bend Judah as my bow, and I will fill the bow with a I will rouse the sons of Zion, um, Sons Zion, against the sons of Greece. I will make you like warrior swords the Lord then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will fly like lightning. But if you go back there, I mean, he fulfilled the prophecies, though, as far as look, your your king is coming to you. He is yeah. righteous and victorious, humble, riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey.
2: No, I know. I believe that. I'm going to say that this other
0: prophecy right here in Zechariah 6 talks about he'll have two offices. Well, we know that in what you just read, um, what you just read said, um, hold on, hold on a second. I saw it just a second ago. Wait a second,
1: I got two things.
0: Oh, okay, hold on real quick. And it says that, um, and I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bull should be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea to sea. I Meaning that's saying the same thing that um in Isaiah two three that hold on, let me go there real quick. Or Isaiah two four. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords in the plowshares and the ploughshares and spears and the pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So that's after his return.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: mm-hmm. you get to chapter nine and it's going back, you know, as the suffering servant. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, it's going back and forth, but yeah. Well, I mean, constantly through the prophets, it's, it's going back and forth and you have to kind of got kind of distinguish between the two. Um, he's not ruling the nations right now.
0: That's still that's still dominion for for Satan because the nations are going to come up against the New Jerusalem when it comes back. Don't have it was not bringing them up against the New Jerusalem, you know. So it's still Satan's domain until he comes back because we're still in a battle here. We have to go overcome. We have to go overcome the sin and overcome the devil. Was it first or James four twenty five says resist the devil, or submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So,
2: yeah. The if scepter, you
3: were, huh? I say he basically just took the scepter from Judah. That's really it. Yeah, because they weren't getting the job done.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> well. Levi's weren't getting the job done, and uh, it does I, say that the there is a prophecy about him, you know, being coming out of Judah instead of, instead of the house of Levi.
3: I think he is ruling and reigning, but he's not ruling and reigning here physically.
0: Well, the
3: reason why I say that is because
0: of Daniel... Hold on, Daniel 4. I'm sorry, for Daniel 2, where it talks about this.
3: Daniel 2 what?
0: Uh, 2 says, 244. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and that kingdom shall not be left to another people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that mm. it break to pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold, that mm. great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain in the interpretation of thereof. So right here, he's telling him there's only four world powers. You know, Babylon, Medo Persia, Greece and Rome when Rome's mixed with, mixed with iron and clay. So you have four great four world powers and Rome is still running the show as we speak. Oh. And it's the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall be left. And it shall, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. These kingdoms are still rolling. I agree. So I agree. When when he comes, that kingdom will be set up forever. The kingdom of God. It's up above us now. When he comes down, it's going to be set up forever, and it's going. And what it means to break apart the 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 structure of Nebuchadnezzar's statue. It's those four world powers, you know. I mean, it's going to destroy the system that we live in.
3: I I agree that that's going to come down, physically destroy the nations, and it's going to rule over the nations. What I'm saying is, if we join ourselves to the Messiah and ourselves to the Father right now, we are a part of that nation. As we're we're not like you know physically there yet, but we're right. to act as Already in that kingdom, and he is ruling because he gave. Um, well, let me say this right. I'm gonna go to this chapter real quick. Hold On can, I, can I
1: say something real quick?
2: no mm-hmm. we're talking <laughs> right,
0: Justin, and... <laughs> that's
1: really I want, to point, out, I want <laughs> to point out two things. First of all, Zechariah 9 starts out with an oracle of the word of the Lord because when you talk about the oracles, it's literally just prophecy. The words translated as burden, and I take it as a burden because. Well, let's look at Jonah. Jonah looked at it as as a burden. It was a prophecy. He was told to do a specific task, so he was given a burden to accomplish, for example, which we've seen how that went. (laughs) And and at the end of it all, it it was literally just like, hey, God said repent, and they were like, okay. (laughs) After all the frustration he went through, and and dying, literally dying, (laughs) (laughs) anyways um, but it says in Zechariah 8 and this is what people always like to say as far as like we need to follow Judah (laughs) this is what the Lord Almighty says in those days if ten men from every tongue of the nation should seize then let them seize the fringe of the garment of a Judean man saying we will go with you because we have heard that God is with you that's Yeshua Hmm. I see that as Yeshua.
3: Yep, I do too. And my whole thing with, with look, this is what I'm saying as far as he's ruling, just not in the physical sense here yet. Because he says in Matthew twenty eight eighteen, 18, he says then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do, observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I believe that right now he's ruling. It's just we got to go through these this time right now. But he's ruling in a way of he's giving authority to people to go out and make other disciples.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I agree okay. I agree with I
1: that. They, they hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> is it hold on or go ahead? Which one? <laughs> I
0: don't know, man. You
1: decide. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that I think that he does have all authority on heaven and earth. I think that he is ruling. But we also have to look back at let, let's let's put. So as far as the totem pole goes, it goes God. And it goes, Yeshua. Yeshua has the authority right now. Obviously, he's acting in accordance with the will of the Father. But I think there are some similarities in the way that he's doing things. Uh, For example, let's look at Pharaoh in Egypt. God literally raised Pharaoh up above all of the earth so that he could crush him and make an example out of him for defying for being rebellious and not submitting himself to God, because all authorities are put in place by God. I think that's what's happening right now. You see all these nations that are... All this stuff has been prophesied about. Like you said, Rome is currently ro- uh, ruling right now. I think Rome but is we- going to expand, get a little bit right. bigger, and then it's going to be crushed.
0: But who who... Who gets all the nations together and goes up against the New Jerusalem?
1: Oh, that's the adversary.
0: Yeah. So who's running the?
4: So if if God is putting the leaders in place, Satan has dominion over the kingdoms because obviously you know he tried to offer them to Jesus, you know. Um who puts the rulers of those kingdoms in place?
0: I think God puts the rulers of the people in place, but it says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but the spirits and principalities of the air.
4: Right. So when, when Jesus was, you know, out in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights and Satan came to him and he said, bow down, do one act of worship to me. And I will give you the kingdoms
0: right just the right. gift I no I, I agree because um I think I think Yeshua has the authority on heaven and Earth he's got the authority that when he comes back he can go ahead and pull us out of captivity his people he has that authority to pull us out of captivity we're in captivity right now
4: it, right, we're it, in it, captivity, it, but he provided that conduit for us by taking on our sin that gave us that loophole to get out of Satan's matrix.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, he calls his people in Deuteronomy 30. If you hear his voice, he'll have compassion on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has compassion on you. he he wakes people up. And I was just simply saying that right now he's not ruling the nations because they're still doing some really wicked things. And to say that he's ruling them and allowing them to get away with that, you know, that he's in charge. I mean, I mean, people, God gave us blessings and curses. They're choosing things that are cursing them because we have free will.
4: It's kind of like a parallel to Job, almost, only on a much bigger scale.
0: Right. We have. Well, yeah, Satan's allowed to come here and mess with us.
4: Well, he yeah. was given an literally. And we he's, have to find, we have to seek, and we have to find our out, our passage through it, through Jesus.
0: Yeah, he said, he even says Satan's the God of this world. That's Jesus' own words. He says Satan's, you know, he's he's the God of this world.
4: That's right. We're, so when died,
0: of this world of this, you know?
2: when he
4: said it is finished, it wasn't you can eat bacon now. No. You know, and all them laws are are gone now. No, That's it, not what he was finishing. What he finished was he took away Satan's power. Through him, we have life. That is right. our covenant.
0: Now he makes can- atonement as our high priest.
3: Can I read something? I just want want to finish one thing
0: real real quick, because it says right here in Isaiah 66, it uh, it says, before she travailed, she brought forth, before her pain, before her pain come, she was delivered a man child. That's Yeshua. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made forth to bring in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? This is the resurrection. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. She was barren. She's barren right now. Mm-hmm. But once she comes down and prevailed to give birth, once the resurrection takes place, we're going in there. Mm-hmm. Going so. into the kingdom. And we're gonna be the the guests, the children, the guests at the wedding supper of the lamb. Because the, the city is the bride,
2: the mm-hmm. lamb's wife.
0: And he's married to the city.
3: I wanted to piggyback off of what Dustin said about setting up kings, right? With the Pharaoh, how he raised him up just to crush him. Right. This is day of 14:12. Shining morning star, how you have fallen from the heavens, you destroy of nation, destroyer of nations. You have been cut down to the ground. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens and I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of God's assembly in the remote remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest regions of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you. They will look closely at you. Is this the man who caused the earth to tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who turned the world into a wilderness, who destroyed its cities, who would not release the prisoners to return home? All the kings of the nations lie in splendor, each in his own tomb, but you are thrown out without a grave, like a worthless branch covered by those slain with the sword and dumped into a rocky pit like a trampled corpse. You will not join them in the bur- in burial, because you destroyed you destroyed your land and slaughtered your own people. The offspring of evildoers will never be remembered. Prepare a place of slaughter for his sons, because of his because of the iniquity of their fathers, they will never rise up to possess a land or fill the surface of the earth with cities. I will rise up against them. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. I will cut off. From Babylon, her rep- reputation, remnant, offspring, and um, posterity. This is the Lord's declaration. I will make her a swamp land, a region for sc- screech owls, and I will ske- sweep her away with a broom of destruction. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. Keep reading. The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have purpose, So it will be as I have planned it. So it will happen. I will break Assyria in my land. I will tread him down on my mountain. Hey, does it say I will break Assyria or break the Assyrian? Uh, Assyria, my translation. All right. Then his yoke will be taken from them and his burden will be removed from their shoulders this is the plan prepared for the whole earth, and this is the land stretched out against the nations. The Lord of hosts himself has planned it. Therefore, who can stand in its way? It is his hand that is outstretched. So who can turn it back? In the year of King Ahaz. Who is he talking about here? Satan? Or someone else? As far as the, the uh, bright and uh, shining star, I believe it's talking about Satan.
0: I don't think so. Who
3: do you think it's talking about?
0: Well, it called him a man that led the nations. It said that he was a man.
3: Who do you think it could be then?
0: I think it's. To- I think this is, the Assyrian is uh, um, Nimrod. Could be Nimrod. I think it's talking about Nimrod. Could be. Very
3: well, could
0: well, let's be. check this out.
1: This is Jeremiah 25. <clears throat> I'm going to kind of skim through this because we're still ain't even done it's a portion. <laughs> okay. but it says, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> but it says, um, starting in verse 17, it says, This whole land will become a desolate ruin, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. When the seventy years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. This is the Lord's declaration: the land of the Chaldeans for their guilt, and I will make them a ruin forever. So, right there, you just heard it's gonna, he's going to punish the king of Babylon. Well, let's go to the beginning. This is what he says. <laughs> it says, "This is what or this is the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim." son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Prophet Jeremiah, let me see, oh man, I'll I'll go down to verse 8, it says, therefore, this is what the Lord of hosts says, because you have not obeyed my words, I am going to send for all the families of the north, this is the Lord's declaration, and send my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And I will bring them against this land, against its residents, and against all the surrounding nations, and I will completely destroy them, and make them a desolation, a derision, and ruins forever. He literally raises up Babylon. or He he raises up Nebuchadnezzar. And then it's it's very interesting that it says king of Babylon at the end. It doesn't say who the king is at the end, because I don't think that he punished Nebuchadnezzar, because I think Nebuchadnezzar uh, I think that he converted and believed in God. That's my opinion. Um and I think the scriptures back that up. But he raises up Babylon, yet again, same same concept as with Pharaoh, ruled over or, or subdued, um they, they, they subdued Israel and then he punished Babylon for these acts. <laughs>
3: That's really because if you go back to Isaiah fourteen three, when the Lord gives you the rest, um, gives you rest from your pain, torment, and the hard labor you forced to do, you will sing the songs contempt about the king of Babylon and say, and that so that would make the most sense to be Nimrod. Yeah, it would make the most sense.
1: Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's, let's stay in Isaiah 50. Uh, or, yeah, Isaiah, go to 59.
3: <laughs> oh, we're going to Isaiah 59, eh?
1: Oh shoot. 15 That's through 21.
3: Different. Oh man, we should start from one. Yeah, I got him, babe.
1: All right, starting in verse 15. It says, Truth is missing, and whoever turns from evil is plundered. The Lord saw that there was no justice, and he was offended. He saw that there was no man. He was amazed that there was no one interceding. So his own arm brought salvation, and his own righteousness supported him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and he wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. So he will repay according to their deeds. Fury to his enemies, retribution to his foes, and he will repay the coastlands. And they will fear the name of Yahweh in the west and his glory in the east. For he will come like a rushing stream, driven by the wind of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Zion, and to those in Jacob who turn from transgression. This is the Lord's declaration. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouth of your children or from the mouth of your children's children from now on and forever, says the Lord.
2: Hmm.
3: The Lord saw there was no justice and he was offended. He saw that there was no man. He was amazed that there was no one interceding on his own arm and brought salvation. Somebody said his own arm brought
1: salvation. He sent his son.
3: I wonder what he was talking about.
1: He sent his son. Anytime you see that arm or hand.
3: Oh, I know. I'm wonder what people were that he's talking about here.
1: Well, it sounds very. Uh, if you go back through the beginning there,
3: back to verse five.
1: Yeah, yeah. It has they... vipers' eggs and weave spiders' webs. Whoever eats their eggs will die. Crack one open and the vipers hatch. Their webs cannot become clothing. Yeah, I don't know who the brood of
3: vipers would be. So I don't know. Anyways,
1: yeah, there's a lot of parallels between Matthew twenty-three and. A lot of Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, where it goes through some lows mm-hmm. It's it it's it's destruction. He's declaring judgment in Matthew twenty three. That's what he's doing.
3: <laughs> oh man, it's amazing that it was prophesied by Isaiah.
1: Yeah. So, here, I'm gonna start. It was Isaiah 54.
4: Well, they they didn't have all that stuff back then interfering with their ability to receive their communications with God. They didn't have phones. They didn't have power lines, none of it. Just saying.
2: They had electricity.
4: Well, they had, yeah, but it wasn't like.
1: (laughs) I think they had electricity.
2: I just think
0: they tapped into it differently. Yeah,
1: Yeah. that's all.
4: Not my point. My point is that there are so many things in this world. Our diets, our you know things that we drink, caffeine, all these things. We have adrenals. We have buffers. Okay, that are, are used for outside stimuli. Okay, they get wore down. It leaves us more open and receptive. And that's science. That's real. Okay now add in the amount of electricity that is going on around us and our phones and all of it it interferes with our receptors I agree. and that's not new age that's just it is what it is i agree all right i'm sorry
1: Isaiah 54. It said read from the LXX. So, September 10. I'm going to start in 9 because it doesn't make sense to start in 10. But it's going to be 9 through 14. <clears throat> it says, Since the water that was at that time of Noah, this is my oath, just as I swore to him at that time to be no longer angry at the earth over you, nor in your terror to remove the mountains, nor will your hills. Moved away, so neither will my compassion for you come to an end, and the covenant of your peace will certainly not depart. For he has said, Mer- Mercy be with you, Lord. Low and unsettled one, you have not been comforted. Look, I am preparing a ruby for you as your stone, and sapphire as your foundations, and I will make your bulwarks jasper, and your gates stones of crystal, and your wall choice stones. And all your sons will be instructed by God, and your children will live in great peace. You you will be built up in righteousness, abstain from an unjust person, and you will not be frightened, and trembling will not approach you. Jump on over to the New Testament. <clears throat> Matthew Five, <laughs> Matthew Five, thirteen to twenty. <clears throat> There are so many, <laughs> so much commentary for this passage that Matthew 5 is like 10 pages long. <laughs> All right, so Matthew 5, starting in 13. says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything, but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. (laughs) Don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches people to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices, whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, there you have it, guys. Everything we just read before this is already done. Christ fulfilled it. That's it. We'll wrap it up here. I
2: had
0: a question.
1: (laughs) You did say practice, right? I did say practice. Why does it say practice, Jimmy?
0: Because it's the same thing as do. hmm Do it. same
1: thing as
2: do, do but... Because, because practice
1: is perfect. Practice makes perfect, exactly. I will say that does include failure. Yeah.
0: Get on that horse and ride it. Fall mm-hmm. off, get back on the horse and ride it.
1: Righteous man falls seven times, but gets back up seven. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily just mean seven. It could be 50,000 times as long as you get right back up and keep keep pressing on, keep running that and it, race.
0: And it doesn't mean you're perfect either.
1: It doesn't mean you're perfect. Nope. You can do everything in exact accordance for years and mess up and it doesn't make you any less. Nope. It just means you're human. Yep.
3: probably going to be careful what we say to people.
1: Now. Yeah. This is this is what was mentioned a second ago too. Ephesians 6:10 through 17. It says <laughs> I like the subheading for this passage by the way. It says Christian warfare. <laughs> Uh, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. I'm gonna, I'll I will I- finish it out. I look that. Okay. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance, for perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. And it just goes on to say that Pycheus wrote this.
3: The mystery of the gospel. And see, that's, that's one thing. Like I know a lot of people, they want the information right here, right now, right? They want to know everything. Like I want to have all the understanding. But sometimes I think we have got to wait for the time, for the understanding, when the Spirit's ready to reveal it to us. We can search diligently, be students all day long, but until the Spirit's ready to reveal it to you, it's not going to be revealed. And that's why we have to be patient and constantly letting the Spirit lead us through these things. Well, you got to get in the Word, too. That's what I'm saying. You got to be diligent. Diligent Diligently study. And let the Spirit lead you, though. But a lot of people will turn to men and try to say, "Okay, let me go to this person over here. They seem like they have all the knowledge. Or this person over here, they have all the knowledge." Rather than just giving time, like it's okay to hear people's perspectives, see what they think. But at the end of the day, let the Spirit reveal it to you, and it's timing.
2: Yeah,
3: you know that whole uh,
0: you know priestly garment stuff. I mean, it's actually the breastplate and all that you're, you're putting on the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. You're putting the knowledge of God on. And some people are And to put the knowledge of God on means you're walking in righteousness, just like Abraham. And some people go about to establish their own righteousness. There's only one standard and that's it. And that's what we're called to be as a holy priesthood, a holy nation. Uh, a royal priesthood. And so we're supposed to meditate at like in Psalm 1 on the law day and night because when we give people wise counsel, that's what you're speaking to them is God's righteousness, his law, his standard of living, his behavior. So it can't be done away with. If you do away with God's law, then you are basically telling Yeshua the behavior that he, his example of, of his behavior just didn't mean anything. His obedience didn't mean anything. And it says that he was obedient. All the way to the cross.
3: He's the example that we should follow.
0: Yeah. Tells you to die daily and pick up your cross and follow him every day.
3: And someone actually has a heart for him. They'll they'll find the way. And that's just like me. I don't I can't even sit here and say right now that I don't even know every every detail in Torah yet. I've read it over and over again and I always see something new every time that's revealed to me that shows me that I need to do better in or I need to start doing that I'm not doing, you know? And so when you look at someone and they're not where you are yet, just remember, you know, be patient with them. They're probably seeking you can tell if someone's seeking or not. You can tell if they're diligent. You can tell if they have a heart for God. You can tell if they're genuine. If they're actually trying to seek it out versus someone that just says, yeah, yeah, I don't believe that. I don't really care. And you, you can tell the difference. So,
0: because you can actually have a conversation with them.
3: Yeah, they'll actually like listen to you, talk to you, give you what they think, and they'll actually go with the scripture and show you what they believe.
0: Right. Hmm.
3: Yep.
1: First that- Peter two nine and
3: ten. Oh yeah, sorry, Justin.
1: Oh, you're totally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh says that you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light once you were not a people but now you are God's people you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy and then we end in Revelation 21
3: I think you should start in on one.
1: Revelation twenty one or start in Revelation
3: one? Okay. No, no
1: twenty-one one. <laughs> it says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth first earth <laughs> passed away. And the sea no longer existed. I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief Crying and pain will exist no longer, because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. The victor will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards, unbelievers, vile, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels, who had held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He then carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory, a radiance like a very precious stone and like a jasper stone, bright as crystal. The seven or the city had a massive high wall with 12 gates. Twelve angels were at the gates. The names of the 12 tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three gates on the east 3 gates on the north, 3 gates on the south, and 3 gates on the west. The city wall had 12 foundations, and the 12 names of the Lamb's 12 apostles were on the foundations. The one who spoke with me had a gold-measuring rod to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out in a square. Its length and its width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length, width, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, one hundred and forty-four cubits, according to human measurement, which the angel used. The building material of its wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation, jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, chalcedon the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, and the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each individual gate was made of a single pearl. The broad street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I did not see a sanctuary in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its sanctuary. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, because God's glory illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Each day its gates will never close, because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing profane will ever enter it. No one who does what is vile or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life.